Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Shreya, we are exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. And again, Shreya is not here today because she's looking after our uh, little baby JJ, which is great. We're so grateful that she's doing that. I'm looking forward to her being back full time, if you like. But at the moment, again, I am excited to say that we have uh, Steve Jantz as a guest on today's show. Steve is the executive director at Miller College of the Bible's Sunnybrae campus. And Steve, the last time we had you on, we were talking about grief, which is intense, to say the least. Today, we get to talk about the goodness of the gospel. And that was a title that you were really wanting to talk about, right? Way back in season one, when we did the first episode. Now, tell me, why do you want to talk about the goodness of the gospel? That's such a great question. I, um, you know, in our last season, when I talked, I shared a little bit of my story of how I came to faith in Jesus. And I grew up in a, a home where my dad was an evangelist. And so I heard the word gospel. I understood what the gospel meant and what it is. And yet somehow it was just an intellectual piece in my mind until God got a hold of my heart in my second semester of college where he um, turned my world upside down by giving me a new heart and, um, and bringing me to life spiritually uh, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, which is the centerpiece of the gospel. And so, um, uh, you know, then into ministry uh, for, I'm going to say, about uh, 15 years, just kind of um, uh, faithfully pastoring. But it was about uh, 20 years ago, maybe a little bit less than about, about 20 years ago, that God started doing a bit of a, a reformation in my own heart in regard to what the gospel really is. I had some thoughts about the gospel that we'll talk about here a little bit, but then God started showing me clearly from his word that the implications of the gospel are for my life today as a follower of Jesus. And so, um, I, Dave, you just need to know I love the gospel more today than I ever have, and mm. God continues to grow my love for the truth of the gospel and for the primary character and main player of the gospel, namely Jesus. Yeah. And that would be one of the distinctives of Miller Miller College of the Bible, I would say from my time studying there uh, under you as the director, is that there is this real emphasis on the gospel. I remember uh, video calling a friend of mine and I said to him, do you you know what the gospel is? And he said, well, it's the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, but what is the, what is the gospel? Well, uh, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say it. it's Jesus on the cross. And you're like, well, yeah, but it's it's so much more than that. And and if you're listening, and maybe you don't know what the gospel is, maybe you're new new to this podcast, you've not heard that word before. You might be thinking, well, I've heard of gospel music. Is that what's that? Is that kind of connected? Steve, I wonder. We'll take a short break, and then we'll talk about what is the gospel. Because in order to understand why it's so good, we need to know what it is, right? So let's totally. have a short break. And we'll see you in just a second. Okay, so Steve, I've heard you uh, explain the gospel many, many times and it never gets old. I wonder if you could explain what is the gospel? Let's start with the word itself. It is a biblical word. It's a word that's found in the Bible. It comes from the Greek word euangelion, which uh, simply means we, we actually get some English derivatives off of that word too, namely the word evangel, 
or evangelism, euangelion, evangel. If you look at the how it's written out in our English characters, you'll see the, the similarity. The word simply means good news. And um, it's good news that is broadcasted. It's something that's shared. It's, it's, it's a message that is, it's a good message, and it's something that we talk to people about. And so Jesus says to his followers, he says, when he's about to ascend into heaven, he says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news. Um, and uh, all of the gospels record something very similar to that. So you, you made a differentiation about the gospels mm-hmm. and the gospel. The gospels, with an S on the end, are the four books of the Bible about the good news of Jesus. It's basically the summary of Jesus's life on this earth. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the gospels. And in the Gospels, there is the Gospel. And throughout the whole Bible, the Gospel is the primary theme, even starting at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. The Old Testament is full of Gospel realities and pointing towards something that was going to happen. So the question is, what's the good news? What is this good news that we broadcast? What's the good news that we proclaim? And probably the most succinct place in the Bible where we get a definition of the Gospel is 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to just read a few verses here, and um, and they're just so powerful. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to this church in Corinth, and he says to them, "I would now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you. This is out of the ESV, by the way, the English Standard Version, which you received. So they received the gospel, they heard it, and they received it in their hearts, uh, in which you stand. So there's a standing in the gospel today and by which you are being saved. So there's this ongoing work of the gospel in their lives today. And Paul's saying, I remind you of this. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And then he says this, here's the gospel. For I delivered to you as a first importance. So this, Paul says, the gospel, the reality, the truth of the gospel is of first importance. Number one, which I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That is really the summary of the gospel. And the gospel is good news because we are in a bad state. And right from the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, they rebelled, they sinned against God. And from that moment on, every other human being born in this world has received a sinful nature. And by nature, we are sinners. We don't become sinners because we sin. We, are, we sin because we're born with a sinful nature that we've inherited from our mom and dad. And, and God sets out to rescue us from that. It's not his intention. Uh, you know, the Bible is this epic story of bad and, and good or evil and, 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 and goodness or darkness and light. And, um, and right from the, the very beginning, the enemy, the devil, who's a real being, comes to, dis, to uh, sidetrack God's agenda and Adam and Eve's sin and we are sinners. And because of our sin, we deserve God's punishment on ourselves. We deserve God's wrath to be poured out on us. He's the creator. He he makes the rules, and he says, I want you to be holy, like I'm holy, and we're not. I just know my own heart. I, I've raised three kids, Dave. You've got little JJ there, and though he's pretty innocent yet, there's coming a day when you will recognize that little guy is a sinner. Maybe you've already <laughs> recognized it. It's as cute as they are. You know, I've never had to teach my boys to be bad. I never was like, hey, boys, you need to learn how to be more selfish. Never had to teach them that. Why? Because they're sinful. They've been born with a sinful nature, and so so um, that's Satan's desire, wants to keep us captive in our sin, and God wants to rescue us from our sin and give us a life that's full of abundance. That's what he says. I've come to give life and give it to the full. And, um, and so the world is filled with people who are chasing lesser satisfactions, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, 
I want you to experience fullness of satisfaction, fullness of joy. And the way you're going to experience that is if you trust me for the work that I did on the cross for you. And Jesus, who is perfectly innocent, goes to the cross for you and me and takes our deserved punishment. It's just like this judicial kind of scenario where an innocent person takes the punishment for a guilty person. Um, And that's what Jesus did for us. He bears the punishment that we deserved on himself, bears our sin. Peter says he bears our sin on his body on the cross so that we might have life. And Jesus dies, is raised from the dead. And now he offers to anybody who would trust him alone for his righteousness that he wants to give to you and me. The, The theological word is his righteousness is imputed to us or given to us. When we trust him alone, we now are made new. It's called being born again. God gives us a new heart. He gives us, it's called regeneration. He gives us new desires. He reconciles us to himself or brings himself, us back into a relationship with himself. Um, He adopts us into his family. So all these beautiful, big theological things is what the gospel is all about because of Jesus's work on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and and his ascension. He is seated at the right hand of God now. That's just a little summary. Maybe not so little, but that's a summary of the gospel. What is the gospel? Great. So to summarize some of those, you know, we're created by God. Uh, we have free will. So we, we choose to go our own way instead of God's way. And, then, and the Bible calls it sin when we go our own way and not God's way. And because yeah. of that, we, um, we're, we're set to be punished by God. You know, we're, the punishment is death, uh, but Jesus comes and he takes that punishment on himself so that when we choose to believe in him, we choose to uh, follow Jesus, we can have eternal life and relationship with God the Father, which is good news. Absolutely. And you talked about the ascension. We talked about the ascension just a couple of weeks ago. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, what is the ascension? Well, good news. There's some episodes, a few few episodes back that you can listen to uh, where we talk about the ascension. Uh, And if you want to hear more about the overall narrative of the Bible, the, the big picture of the Bible, uh, our actually our first episodes in season one, we spent five or six episodes going through that whole uh, narrative that Steve is referring to there. So uh, feel free to head back to those. But Steve, that's the gospel. Why is it so good for us now? I've heard you say that it's good. It, it was good for us. It is good for us and it will be good for us in the future. I think I'm wording it right there. Maybe if I'm getting it wrong, you can correct me. But talk to me a bit, a bit about that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question, Dave. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the thing that we need to understand is that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, uh, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes me will never thirst. And so he's offering us satisfaction. It's really what it is, right? I mean, that whole context in John chapter 6, it's such an interesting narrative itself where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. The next day they come back for more food, physical food. And Jesus says, I can give you food all day long, but it's really never going to satisfy it. It's temporal. I'm the bread of life if you want true satisfaction. And so when we trust Jesus, uh, the Bible says that he comes and lives in us by his spirit, which is an unbelievable thing. So as Holy Spirit lives in us, we become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We become, well, Paul calls it, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing truth. And so that should make a huge difference in how I live today as a follower of Jesus. I think... One of the mistakes, Dave, that we often have made, and I made this mistake probably for, like I said, 15 years, maybe more in my journey with Jesus, even as a pastor, I would think of the gospel in terms of the gospel is really important for those who don't know Jesus yet, Mm. and they need to hear about the death and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That's important that they can be saved from their sin, that 
that God loves them and that he demonstrated his love by sending Jesus to this world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He demonstrates his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5. Um, And so we sometimes categorize the gospel. That's for those who don't know Jesus. But now that I know Jesus, I move on to other things. And I, my heart has just been so enamored and taken with the reality that the gospel is important for me today because Jesus lives in me with his resurrected life that is part of the truth of the gospel. He lives in me today and will give me everything I need today for life and godliness. Mm. So to think that somehow I can muster up enough strength in myself to live the Christian life, which I did for many years and still have the tendency to do, try to lean on the arm of the flesh or try to do it in my own strength. I'm actually just kidding myself and I'm playing religion and I'm actually not living the Christian life. So the reality of the gospel is that my relationship with God is perfect because here's a a theological term, we're justified. Um, And let me explain that for a minute. Therefore, having been justified by faith, Romans 5.1, we have peace with God. This word justified is a judicial term, which simply means we're declared righteous or we're declared right or we're declared perfect. In God's eyes, when we by faith trust Jesus alone, he declares me in his view perfect. Why? Because Jesus's righteousness has been placed on me. So he doesn't see me anymore. He sees, if I can do this, he sees Christ's righteousness placed on me. So all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus in me. And I'm justified. I'm declared righteous. So so my working out my salvation and being obedient does not cause God to love me more. And my disobedience does not cause him to love me any less. It's a finished judicial declaration. I've been justified. That doesn't mean that I don't strive to please him and glorify him by obedience. That's not to say, well, it doesn't matter anymore. It matters all the more because he lives in us and he wants to create his character in us. So so Jesus's life in me makes all the difference. The realities of the gospel make all the difference in my day to day when I blow it, when I sin, when I'm selfish uh, in preparation for a big something that's coming up, a meeting or a confrontation that I need to be involved in, and I can't do it in my own strength. The promises of the gospel says, Jesus is there with me by his spirit. He's going to help me even today. Yeah, Steve, great stuff. I think what you've, you've hit on there is that we have a tendency to treat the gospel as level one, and then we move on to more quote-unquote important stuff. So we talk about, oh, well, what, what does the Bible say about uh, the end times or Israel, or, you know, I see these things all the time, um, how, how we're supposed to respond to politics and all those things. But the gospel is the thing of first importance. It's the most important thing. Uh, and I think we have two responses. We either think it's really unimportant, or we've heard it so many times that we we take it for granted. So maybe you allow me to share a picture quickly. I, I shared this picture just a couple of weekends ago when I was speaking at church. I had a pr- the real privilege when I was in my early 20s of going to Albania. So I've been to Albania like six, seven, eight times. And we always used to go on the same trip. Uh, and we used to kind of work with the youth conferences there. I used to train worship leaders and uh, worship teams. And we used to sometimes do like evangelistic worship uh, events and stuff. It was really fun. And we would go through from the capital Tirana to uh, a place called Labrash, and then we'd go through to Pogradets, which is where we would do the conference. And we'd stop in Labrash because the youth group was flourishing. And I, I would never forget this 13-year-old girl called Gladisa, who actually listens to this podcast. So if you're listening, hi there, Gladisa. Uh, this 13-year-old girl, I was playing catch with her or something. I said to her, it must be amazing living where you do, where you do, because Labrash was just surrounded by mountains. 
It was stunning. So it just must be amazing living in the mountains. And I was blown away by her response as a Brit. She said, well, they're just mountains. Now, as someone who grew up in the UK, where there isn't much natural beauty, uh, it's certainly where I grew up, just kind of west of London a little bit. I couldn't believe that you could see these stunning mountains and think nothing of it. And then in 2014, I moved to where Steve is right now, if you're watching the video, right next, literally where he is now. And I looked around and I saw the mountains. There's Mount Bastion. And then there's this great lake covered by mountains, like surrounded by mountains. And I was just like, whoa, this is incredible. And then the day, next day I woke up from my room, looked out and saw the mountain and was like, I can't believe I get to live here. And then the next day, yeah, it's still pretty cool. A couple of months go by and I, my head drops and I'm heading to class and I'm worried about the girl I like or getting my assignments done or what next joke I'm going to make to Steve when I see him. Uh, you know, those kinds of things, right? And you just get distracted. And it really, it hit me. I suddenly understood how Gladisa could see the mountains and not think so much about them. Just be like, oh, they're just mountains. They just became peripheral. And I think we have this tendency to see, um, when we see immense beauty all the time, we start to take it for granted. Yeah. And I think it's the same with the gospel. We yeah. see the gospel because it is the center point. It's the pivot point of our entire faith. It's the mo the yeah. resurrection is the most important moment in all of human history. Uh, in all of history, in fact. And when we look at we look at the resurrection and we talk about it again and again and again and again, it's easy to go, oh, I've heard this. It's easy to, you know, as we see those mountains and we start to take them for granted, you lose the majesty of the mountains. And I think in the same yeah. way, we can lose yeah. the majesty of the wonder of the good news of Jesus, of the gospel. And so, uh, yeah. Steve, with that in mind, how would you help us keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, as it says in Hebrew, yeah. Bruce? How do you, yeah. how do you, how do we help how, do you, how can you help us to stay focused on the goodness of the gospel? I know you, your, your kind of classic catchphrase that we used to say at Miller was preach the gospel to yourself every day. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. What does it look like yeah. to focus on the gospel every day? It's so good. You know, I heard one, one uh, preacher once say that the gospel can become like a smooth stone for us. You know, you found a smooth stone on the beach somewhere, you put it in your pocket, and, you know, three weeks later, you find it in your pocket because it's just a smooth stone and it's mm. so forgettable. You put a jagged stone in your pocket. The next time you put your pants on, it's like, oh, there's something in there, right? And so we need to guard against the gospel becoming like a smooth stone in our lives. We need to be reminded of it regularly. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, there's actually two little quick texts that I'll draw your attention to. We won't read them all. We don't have time, Dave. But I would encourage people to read Ephesians chapter 2. What struck me here a few years ago is Paul is writing to the church. So he's writing to believers. And... At the very beginning, so the, the chapter is six chapters long, so this is still at the beginning of his writing, he reminds the church of the gospel, and he reminds them specifically of who they used to be. He begins in chapter two by saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, uh, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. Um, you lived with your passions according to the flesh, he says, and by nature children of wrath. And then he says, but God in his mercy saved you. And then those infamous uh, verses, you know, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So in the middle of this letter, he's reminding believers, remember the gospel, remember who you used to be, remember what God's done for you now, remember that you've been saved, that you've been rescued, that you've been created for good works, verse 10. But what I often did is I stopped there, but the, the next verse, 11, says this, Therefore, because of the gospel, he says in verse 11, remember, remember, therefore, remember that at one time you, gentile, you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision in verse 12, 
Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And so Paul is saying, I'm reminding you of the gospel. And now church, remember this. Don't forget it. It's why we have communion. Communion is is a reminder of the gospel to us. I think it's why Jesus instituted it. I think, I really do. I think he said, Steve's going to forget. He's going to forget the gospel. So I'm going to just do this thing called communion. And he's going to have to, by virtue of this celebration, remember what I did on the cross for him, who he was. He was alienated. He was separated. He was a sinner and I saved him. And we're told here to remember what we were and what God has done and what he is doing. Um, and then in Hebrews chapter 3, once again, we won't turn there, but Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says that, um, that we should take care lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart, which leads us to fall away from the living God, but that we should exhort one another every day while it's still called today, um, that we would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the question out of that little, those verses in chapter 3 is, oh, how do I take care? And I think the answer is in verse 1, where the writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus or remember him, contemplate him. The author, uh, oh, sorry, the the high priest and apostle, the high priest and apostle of your faith. Remember what Jesus did on the cross. And so, so every day there should be moments in my life where I'm considering that Jesus is alive in me. Paul says in Romans six, therefore consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Dave, there are many mornings. I can't say every morning, but many mornings before I put my feet, when I swing my feet over the bed, while I'm still lying in bed, I will say, Lord Jesus, help me to remember today that I'm dead to sin and I'm alive in you. Help me today. So I begin my day with this with this very clear rec- recognition and doing what Paul says in Romans 6, consider yourself therefore dead to sin and alive to Christ. I say that to myself where I pray to Jesus. I say, help me remember I'm dead to sin. I don't need to sin today. You live in me. You're going to help me today. And so it's almost like a, um, I'm getting ready. There, there's this, this proactive stance for the day preaching the gospel to myself, remembering who I was, what Jesus has done for me, who I am today, and all of the benefits of the Spirit living in me. But it's also reactive. I blow it somewhere along the day. I get angry at a student or at my wife. We have a a spat or I get angry on the road, which can happen with a German driver. Sometimes I get upset (laughs) at how, you know, people from other countries drive. And all of a sudden I find I'm in in a state of disobedience. Well, what do I need at that moment? Do I condemn myself? Do I? That's what typically happens. I condemn myself. There's foreboding thoughts. Well, I do need to confess my sin. That's clear in the Bible. And I need to repent of that. And if there's some harm done on a horizontal level to you, Dave, I need to go to you and say, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But then I preach the gospel to myself reactively to say, but God doesn't love me any less. He's justified me. He's declared me righteous. He sees me as perfect. And that that just bolsters my heart and and the knowledge of that just gives me courage to keep pursuing him for the joy that I find in him. Mm-hmm. So that's just really practical. I just remind myself different rhythms throughout the day of what he's done, where I used to be, what he is now. And then we even haven't even talked about the eternity, which we talked a little bit about in our grief conversation mm-hmm. about the hope of eternity. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much that we could dwell on here. Uh, we've talked about uh, in our podcast over the Last year and a half or so, we've talked about that performance culture mentality and how uh, when you understand the gospel, it takes that sense of a need for performing away. Why would you perform? Because right. it's, not in you, it's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It, it's not about how I can earn God's love. He's given it to us as a free gift of grace as a, yeah. through the gift of Jesus. 
we uh, I'm thinking back to our episode one of this season. We talked about when leaders fall, and we talked about Ravi Zacharias and Carl Lentz and Bill Hybels and uh, and all of that stuff. It was with uh, a guy called Chris Williams, who Steve you would know, and yeah. we talked about how uh, fundamentally it's about saying he must increase and I must yeah. decrease. The, the yeah. words of John the Baptist in John three thirty and. Uh, that is how do we do that is by recognizing that it's all about what Jesus has done and it's not yeah. about what we've done we get to live through the grace of Jesus with that relationship with the father with the holy spirit dwelling in us why because of the gospel in us and that is yeah. uh, good news that's a yeah. good thing um Steve I wonder if there's anything else you'd like to add uh you know before we we end here but I think what we've covered is great. It's just good to remind yeah. ourselves of the gospel, right? You know, I would encourage your listeners, and um, I don't know where you're at in terms of your walk with Jesus, your journey. Um, you know, I would I would encourage you if you aren't, and I hope you are, though, uh, spending time in the Bible, that you're reading the Bible uh, daily. There's some sort of intake from what God has said into your own mind and heart, that you spend time praying, and, and there may be, may be times, seasons of, of quiet and solitude or where you're journaling your thoughts. These are called, sometimes called spiritual disciplines or the means of grace. But but I think, you know, coming out of this podcast here today, Dave, and for your listeners, and for my, it's a reminder for myself, I'd say just add one more of these elements to what you do on a daily basis. And that would be, be intentional, specifical about remembering, rehearsing, meditating on the truths of the gospel. I've written a God, I mean, you could read Romans chapter two. That would be enough. The first 10 verses, just read that every day. And remind yourself, this is who I used to be. It's what Jesus has done. And this is what he wants to do today in me. He wants me to, to, to live out this life as a, as a workman that's, that's going to bring him glory. Uh, but it might be good for you to write it out. So, so make it part of your daily practice, follower of Jesus, mm. to be rehearsing and remembering the gospel, the goodness of Jesus in your life. And it will guard you from this performance mentality, trying to keep God happy with you. It's done. He's happy with you because of Jesus and what Jesus has done and Jesus's life in you. But it's also going to be a motivation for you to live a holy life because the sweet spot for us as followers of Jesus is when we are walking in obedience, not in disobedience. I think the most miserable people in this world are Christians who aren't walking with Jesus. They're just miserable. I met a lot of them. I've been one and they're not very nice to be around. But when we're walking with Jesus, that's where joy is. That's where peace is, even in the hard times, even in the difficult times. So Remember the gospel, preach it to yourself, rehearse it, meditate on it, contemplate it. Awesome. Steve, thanks so much. Um, if you're watching this podcast or if you've seen uh, any of our stuff on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see uh, two, in fact, possibly even on the cover as you're listening to this episode now, you'll see uh, Sherea and I, we have tattoos. I don't know if I can show you on the video. And the tattoos we have, I'm not recommending you get tattoos if you don't want one, but we just have them. We have a little cross a little cross on our arms, and it's in a place that is specific so that we can see the cross. And the reason behind those tattoos is because we want to remember the gospel. We want to remind Amen. ourselves of the gospel. Now, what that looks like for you is up to you. You don't have to go all hipster and get a tattoo. If you want to, go for it. There's nothing wrong with it. I think we did an episode talking about it once. Uh, I, it's hard to keep up with all the episodes we've done now. But uh, find ways to remind yourself of the goodness of the gospel. That would be a Amen. good thing, and it will... It's, it's not an exaggeration to say that it will change your life uh, to keep your life in in line with the truth and the wonder of the good news of Jesus that he died for our sins and that he rose again victorious and ascended to be at the right hand of the father. That is a good Amen. thing. 
So that's it for today's episode. Hope you found it helpful. If you have any thoughts or questions, uh, connect with us on uh, social media, on Instagram or Facebook, or uh, email us simplefaithpodcast at gmail.com. Show notes, as always, are at simplefaithpodcast.com. And if you want to support us in any way, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash simplefaithpod. Uh, that's it. Have a great week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye.